So hello again from the Sustainability Podcast. Uh, this is Suraj Bhatia, and I have a special guest here with me uh, today, Michelle McGinty. Uh, she's with the Center for Resource Solutions, and I'm very interested in hearing about the work they are doing, um, hearing a little bit about uh, carbon offset, some of the lingo that we've been hearing in the market, uh, energy attributes, and, and things like that. So thank you, uh, Michelle, for your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for inviting me. So let, let's start off by asking you about your personal background and what's your interest in climate change. It's our topic, obviously, but then you have to be very interested to, you know, continue that mission via your work. Yeah, well, um, I originally went to school at UC Berkeley and studied business. And at the time, uh, part of the reason I studied undergrad business is I just wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but figured that would give me some uh, cred to do whatever I, I decide to do at a later point. But I always was always interested in this corporate sustainability classes, learning about the triple bottom line and anything I could take that kind of integrated the two. Um, from there, I actually, my first job was in uh, pharmaceutical consulting, um, which was great, learned a lot, but then decided I really wanted to, you know, the long hours I sometimes had to spend, I really wanted to do it towards a more mission-driven kind of organization, um, which I was pretty open to a lot of different kind of mission-driven organizations, but then ended up at uh, Sengevity Solar, which is a was a residential solar installer. Um, so kind of just happily landed in the renewable energy space. Um, and then after that, I ended up at CRS. So um, I was very excited to stay. Again, was kind of looking to continue to build my knowledge base in the renewable energy space um, and have been very excited and glad to be here because there's, as you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the industry. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, things are happening as we speak. Uh, many of the guidelines are, are now in draft form, especially in Europe, which is ahead of the US. Uh, my understanding is there are four types of uh, advisory slash consulting uh, uh, types of entities. The first is ESG rating provider. The second is ESG consultant. The third is ESG coordinator. And the fourth is ESG reviewer. It, would you place yourself in the category of ESG consultant or rating provider or coordinator? Um, I would say actually none of those. Um, okay. We are getting more into the ESG space, um, but Center for Resource Solutions, we're a nonprofit. Um, we've been around for almost 25 years with the mission to create market and policy solutions to advance sustainable energy. So that's really uh, our mission. And to that effort, we have a few different work streams. Um, we work on um, climate policy. Um, we're not a lobbying organization, but mainly giving expert advice on renewable energy policy and climate policy, and especially on round rec accounting and carbon accounting issues. Um, we also mm -hmm. host an annual conference called the Renewable Energy Markets Conference. Um, and finally, we administer the Greeny certification program through which we certify voluntary renewable energy and carbon offset uh, products, as well as soon uh, voluntary biomethane products. Um, so how we fit into ESG is we're really, um, you know, with our greenie programs, especially creating trust in these environmental commodities, um, which play an important role for companies that are starting to uh, invest in, you know, renewables and looking to offset their emissions. I see. And can you um, tell me a little more about Green E? Is that a certificate or is that uh, some, some kind of vetting they need per the loan agreement or what? Yeah, so it's a certification program um, to create, again, quality of these 
different environmental commodities, whether it's renewable energy or carbon offsets, um, as well as oversight of the voluntary market, because there's no really um, oversight. Um, so that's where we come in. Um, so for example, on the renewable energy side, you know, we certify renewable energy certificate products, which represent the, you know, renewable attributes of renewable energy, as well as bundled renewable energy options as well. So like your utility might have a green tariff or like a green pricing program where you opt up to procure renewables and we're the ones providing oversight. Um, we actually have a separate greening governance board that, you know, sets all these rules, including environmental stakeholders like NRDC and Union of Concerned Scientists and say, you know, what's the most high quality renewables? So things like, you know, restrictions on large hydro for some of the sustainability concerns and restrictions on biomass. You can't just cut down a tree and burn that and call that sustainable, um, as well as auditing the sellers themselves. You know, these are intangible commodities. So making sure the appropriate amount and type are being retired on the customer's behalf and also making sure there's fair marketing uh, practices and disclosures to the customer so they understand what they're getting. Um, and there's a similar program mirrored on the carbon offset side as well of, again, creating, making sure they're quality carbon offsets that pass important criteria like additionality, and then also auditing how those are transactioned and making sure everyone's getting what was promised to them. So speaking of carbon offset, can you define a carbon offset and what exactly makes that um, makes them high quality? Yeah, so a carbon offset is one metric ton of carbon emission reductions or equivalent. Um, so this can be from a variety of different um, project types. Um, but in all the cases, one of the really important criteria of carbon offset is this concept of additionality. So there always needs to be some sort of baseline scenario. And then the carbon offset market and this, you know, the, you, this money from that is causing some change in that baseline scenario, which is causing emission reductions. And that delta of that change in emission reductions that the carbon offset uh, market supporting, that's the carbon offset. And that's what organizations use to count against their unavoidable emissions. You know, first you wanna reduce and source renewable energy, but then you still have some emissions and that's where the carbon offsets are used as a tool to say, well, I supported this project which reduced uh, carbon elsewhere and I'm gonna net out my calculation of my carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, projects can vary from everything like, um, you know, re even renewable energy projects in some places where, you know, you're kind of uh, displacing fossil fuels and that's causing emission reductions um, to, you know, landfill methane capture projects where you're capturing the methane on landfills um, so that there's less carbon emissions. Hmm. Hmm. I see. Okay. And then can you, in that, along the same lines, can you define carbon neutrality, neutrality, net zero carbon, and what are some of the challenges in getting there? Yeah, so I feel most people are probably hearing a lot of organizations making these carbon neutral claims and net zero claims. Um, so, you know, for a while there was a bit confusion of what these mean, but I think we're starting to, to get an idea of what, what you actually mean by that. Um, but it basically means that, you know, uh, you're reducing, again, reducing your emissions by energy efficiency projects and things like that, and then also sourcing renewable energy so that you have zero emissions from your electricity. Um, but then, like I mentioned, there's always these unavoidable emissions, especially um, there's been discussion about what we call your scope three emissions. So these are like your supplier emissions or whether that be upstream or downstream. So maybe, you know, the embedded carbon in the materials you use for your product of how much carbon was released from making those materials to downstream of, you know, your customer using your product and emissions that might cause from that. Um, and so 
that's been kind of the debate of, you know, you hear these carbon neutral claims of are you and also, you know, most people are definitely sourcing renewable energy and offset offsetting their direct emissions that they have control over. But then are you also accounting for all these other emissions that are part of that? And, you know, I think uh, really it's we're getting to the point where the scope three should be included if it's a significant amount of your emissions. And it's basically, you know, those carbon neutral or net zero carbon claims should be including those and in that it's basically saying that you're reducing and then you're also offsetting all your carbon emissions. Hmm. So, for instance, wind turbine blades, the manufacturer of the blades might consume uh, or not consume, uh, emit carbons, etc. So you'll net that out. Right. Exactly, exactly. Oh. So that would be kind of that embedded carbon. So that would be in that scope three area. And that's where, you know, I think organizations are starting to think more about to make these kind of carbon neutral claims. Mm, I see. Okay. Uh, can you also define energy attributes certificates and renewable energy certificates and the role they play in voluntary and compliance markets? Yeah. So an energy attribute certificate is kind of the larger term of these commodities in the US, we call them renewable energy certificates. Um, and basically what they represent is when one megawatt hour of renewable energy occurs, um, that uh, electron obviously goes into a shared grid. And so it's hard to decipher who's going to take credit for the renewableness of that electron and which electrons green and which one is not. And so that's where these renewable energy certificates come into play is that they represent the renewable attributes of one met of, of one megawatt hour of renewable energy. So when that renewable energy is created, the electricity goes in the grid and then that uh, wreck is born. And so that REC is tracked in these REC tracking systems so that it's determined who gets to take credit for that renew the renewableness of that energy. Um, and, uh, you know, that is used in both voluntary markets. So when organizations go out and say, I'm 100% renewable or I need to get renewable energy, it's all tracked using RECs. They need to have ownership of the RECs and they're actually retired on those customers' behalf to make sure they're not sold again. They're used by that organization. And they're also used in the compliance market. So when you see states have certain goals of a certain amount of renewable by a certain date, which are often in the US called renewable portfolio standards, um, that's all tracked using RECs as well. Um, and you know, a REC can't be used in both, for example, it's either voluntary or it's in the compliance market. Hmm. So in order for you to provide a certificate or a certification, uh, as the case may be, uh, do you have specialists in the area who are equipped with assessing uh, all these factors? Yeah, so actually it's utilized by the REC tracking systems to do a lot of that work of actually, you know, confirming the facilities and actually tracking how much renewables are actually um, being created. Um, but then what we do is provide oversight of those tracking systems and actually making sure that, you know, the correct retirements are occurring and there's no double selling or double counting of the RECs themselves. And also, like I mentioned that, um, you know, we even go down outside and make sure that there's no um, double claims issues. So looking and making sure, you know, if there's a new generator that comes online, you can't put in the uh, news that, oh, this new generator is creating clean energy for the surrounding community. Because if they sell off the right to that renewable energy certificate, technically that community is not getting renewable energy. Someone else who bought that REC is the one that's using that renewable energy. And mm. so we're making sure that there's no, you know, double counting and claiming of these renewable attributes. Oh, I see. Very interesting. So all this talk uh, about greenwashing. So, so your organization actually uh, is almost like a a monitor who can yeah i always kind of 
compare it to like the um, organic label or something like that. It's, you know, uh, it's helping organization know if it's a greeny certified rec or renewable energy product that it's meeting these certain quality standards and that there's some oversight to make sure people are getting what they're expecting. Right, right. Yeah. Thank you. This is all very fascinating. Is there any, you know, general uh, message or statement that you'd like to make before we conclude? Um, no, I just think, uh, you know, obviously we all need to do, it's all hands on deck at this point to do all we can for the climate. And I think, you know, renewable energy and carbon offsets have really an important role to play there. Um, so I think uh, one nice thing about the renewable energy, both markets actually, is that they've come a long way. And so there's a lot of tools we have now at our disposal. Um, so I just encourage, you know, organizations and individuals to, to dig in because there's a lot of opportunities that you can take action right away by um, starting to, to utilize these tools. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, uh, I hope you found this uh, interesting. And until next time, uh, uh, namaste. Thank you.